Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Sex and Horror Podcast with authors Dicey Grinner and Chantel Renee. <laughs> Tonight, we have special guest Lily Mokramam on with us, and um, this is exciting for me because I we just met at the blocks when we were filming the Entrepreneur Competition reality docuseries in Kansas City. So yes, welcome. We, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to uh, get into our topics tonight. Awesome. Okay, so we're going to get into a little bit of the blocks, but um, we want to talk about you. So what I found very interesting about Lily is that she is um, she is a seven-figure entrepreneur, and she is also a professional dominatrix, a pro-dom. Yes. So we have had other doms on the show, male and female, um, and and um, non-binary. Uh, but we have, I think this is the first time that we've had somebody that's a seven-figure entrepreneur also. So that is very interesting. We can talk about the dichotomy of your both sides and the professional world and in this creative world also, this empowering sexuality. Yeah, I love that. All right. So how okay, let's talk about the um the seven figure business. And may I also add that she only works two hours a week. Now that is phenomenal. So we're not <laughs> talking about somebody working all around the clock. We're talking about somebody that's chilling and still bringing in the dough. That's that's why I'm pulling up the ear to hear, to learn. Yeah, absolutely. So uh the company I started almost eleven years now is in the hospitality space. We work with hospitality companies with essentially their financials, their pricing, um, the economics, all of that good stuff. Very spreadsheety, uh, very corporate. So it's been a really good business for me over the years. And one of the main things that I learned to get myself down to one to two hours a week in that company was just really learning how to let go of control. But that actually also relates to what we're talking about here, too, with the dominatrix side, because it was about two years ago that I got involved in the BDSM world at the advice of my therapist, believe it or not, um, because she's like, girl, you have some control issues. You need, you need to check out BDSM. You probably need to get a dom. Like, you need to figure out some shit. So. I got involved. I literally Googled how to find your first dom because I knew nothing. I yeah. had no idea how to get involved. Um, but I tend to kind of go deep dive into everything that I go into very quickly. So I got involved. I got on FetLife. I found a community. I made friends in the community. Uh, I actually found it a lot easier to make friends through that community than it was in other sort of vanilla settings. I started studying uh, more about how to be a dominatrix. Um, I did a whole certification course with Kimmy Inch. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she's a she's been a professional dom now for about 20 years out of Austin, mm. Texas. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I've just been training away and started doing a little bit of my own pro dom work. But what makes the crossover for me is that all of the principles of BDSM and kink in general have a lot to do with the way that we run our lives outside of the bedroom, whether that's clear communication, negotiation, 
consent, just the way that you approach people. And so now I do so some pro dom sessions, but my passion is marrying the principles of kink with things like business, life and relationship coaching in order to help people learn more of these principles that will actually serve them, whether they're kiki or vanilla. Okay, so as you can see, she is an educator. I think that that's a pretty good way of, of explaining it. So on the blocks when we met, she was in coaching judging mode. And so she has a lot of insights, a lot of knowledge that she can impart. So that's why it's not just entertainment. You know, tonight's episode isn't just entertainment. It's education. She's coming from a very knowledgeable uh, background where she can break things down and explain it. Um, Chantel and I have had a conversation about this recently, and she said that I was I had taught her a lot about the kink space and about the terminology and stuff like that, and that. Um, it wasn't it wasn't intentional you know like we're coming on here to entertain we're just trying to wild out chill out but it just it's just one of those things that happens because for one there's not a lot of people that want to talk about uh, publicly anyway taboo things because it still falls under taboo um so welcome and i i appreciate the information that you're going to pass for those who want to be educated more and that you can also come from I, I love that that your therapist told you that so you can come from um a psychological aspect of it as well and how it it can blend with business which is what i thought was most very funny very funny but also good okay so we were in a business entrepreneurial um docu-series we were filming Chantel and um and uh, most of the time you know I kind of stand out I kind of don't really fit in you know with if you're talking about I write erotic sci-fi fantasy horror and we have a sex and horror podcast it's not really table talk a lot and so on the very last day of my coaching she was my coach my judge and and she started throwing out words like fat life and I was like what? Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, like she understood, like you could tell when people start throwing out some of the lingo, like, hold up. So for the first time that week, I really felt seen and understood and like I belonged and that I wasn't like somebody on the outside there pretending, you know, uh, the whole imposter syndrome, like I'm here, but it is a legit business. But I'm just saying that I felt more like I could marry the two the creative with the business, even though the creative is very sexual. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to give a shout out to the blocks for having you on the show. Yes. Because I think there's so many spaces where it's not even welcome. So the fact that they had you there, I actually requested you to be in my group on the last day because I had heard that there was somebody there who was doing like erotic literature and video and stuff. And I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm the one judge here who's like really super qualified. So I wanted to make sure, cause we didn't get to rotate with every single person. So I'm glad we got to spend some time together. Yes, that was amazing. That was awesome. And and no shade to the other judges because they were very welcoming. You know, it's Absolutely. you know they n yeah nobody was really judgy or not not to my face anyway. It wasn't that. It was just it's a, it's my own perception too. A lot sometimes I because there may have been some some spaces where because you've been with me, Chantel, where people come up to us and they'd be like, I'm gonna pray for you. I get that. 
Like people will come up and say, Chantel was there. Cause a lot of times if I'm telling you, if I'm saying this, it's like, no, that does not happen. That doesn't happen. But you were there one time, right? And the lady at, at a, um, at an event that we were at came up and she saw what we were doing and she said, I'm gonna pray for y'all. And she started praying right there on the spot. So it happens a lot. So because of those experiences, and particularly in the Black community, it's not well received, the dark side of what I do, um, sometimes I'm perceiving that people are going to be that way, whether they are or not, if they're going to be prejudging. And so I um, sometimes See, that... I'm the opposite when people do things like that. <laughs> I don't take it offensively. I'm like, yeah, pray for me. I need all the success I can get. <laughs> I'm like, send me all that energy, baby. Go ahead. It's interesting because yeah. I also come from a Christian background and I would still identify as Christian, but I think that these days religion has added so much to what's meant to be in circles like Christianity or probably other religions as well. And the world is just so judgy about everything these days, you know, that in the church and outside of the church and there's really, like, I guarantee that you will not ever read the Bible and see anything in there that says you may not have an erotic literature business. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You know, it's not, it's well, not as, get it. it's important. I think, I think the, the, the topics and genres that we have chosen, you know, I get it in horror just as much as, you know, she gets it in the erotica. Um, people just, they don't know how to, especially when you're female, um, I have a friend who writes hardcore horror, like just, you know, vaginas opening up and swallowing men and all kinds of crazy stuff. And she's had Bible stone at her. I mean, she, and people like really lose their mind because they get overwhelmed with here's these females doing something like dicey goes to a party and they're like, why, you know, can you tone down the sex? Like, can you just bring it, bring it in? And she's like, no, I cannot. <laughs> You know, it's ridiculous that people, I don't know, you know, freedom of speech is great, but when you're really trying to dampen or like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, censor. Really, you're looking for yeah. censor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and censor, and really just like take take the joy out of somebody's life. It's not like Dicey's walking around with her nipples showing, you know what I mean? And, and it's just like so sad that people can't celebrate when someone else has found their passion and it shows. Right. Mm. So you've said you've been doing this for two years and you're certified and all that. So do you still see a therapist or has this been, has this taken the place of that? Oh, that's a great question. So I still see a therapist on occasion, but sometimes I'll kind of fluctuate between therapists and coaches or mentors, depending on what I really want to get into. So I went through quite a lot of personal upheaval in 2021. And so I was determined that I was not going to deal with this trauma in five years. I was going to do it now. So my therapist, who is like, I use that term loosely because she's not licensed on purpose because she can't do the work the way that she wants to under licensure. Mm -hmm. So every weekend we would meet together for seven hours straight. Mm for about six months uh, mm. we met three weekends a week or sorry three weekends a month and so 
during that time, I was able to get really deep. And then from there, I kind of moved into integration, which is where I bring in more of coaches and mentors and kind of mindset people or people who have some knowledge of psychology. But I don't feel the need to like dig into new trauma or anything like that in that moment. So I kind of go back and forth between the two. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so the blocks, how did you get uh, to be a judge slash coach on the blocks, which was an amazing experience, by the way. Amazing. Yeah, so from your perspective as a coach and judge, how did that open? How did that happen? So actually, Facebook ads are super smart and they targeted me. <laughs> I think that's to the people who are on the show. Mm -hmm. And so I read it and I was like, well, I've always been kind of fascinated by reality TV, but there's never been a show that I felt like, I mean, I, I don't really want to be on The Bachelor, you know? <laughs> so yeah. I'm uh -huh. honestly not in good enough shape to be on Survivor. <laughs> so um, I was like, well, this could be an interesting new experience for me and it's business related and I'm not doing it as much like corporate stuff, but I'll just throw it out there and see what happens. And I had a call with Wes Bergman, the host, to interview, and it went really well, and they offered me the position. So, yeah, it was a pretty simple process, but they're actually looking for more female judges, so it was good timing as well. Yes, I love that. You know, I love the diversity of the judges and also the diversity of all of us, you know, the contestants. It's weird saying contestants because I really forgot that I was in a competition. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, everybody that was there competing, um, it was great to see such a mixture and, they, and a mixture of not just us, you know, visually, but I mean, of uh, businesses. Like there were so many different kinds of businesses and I've been trying to support as many of them as I can. Um, I hired somebody from that show. I mean, from one of one of the other people that were on there, I hired them to to work with me, to help with me. So it was, it was a great experience. And um, that was the only thing that could get me to go into the cold for sure. Into the, <laughs> it was, it snowed one day and I was like, oh, I can't believe this is happening. Um, snow, snow is like hell for me. Like some people are afraid of the heat. That's how I feel with snow. <laughs> have yeah, you I'm read, not... I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, I'm not a big fan either. I grew up in Michigan and that was enough for me that I moved yeah. to work. <laughs> yeah. Um, did, have you read the four hour work week by Timothy Ferris? Actually, no, which uh, okay. I like, I know a lot of the principles of it. And a lot of people ask me that because of the amount of work that I do. Um, mm -hmm. But I actually never got around to reading it. I probably should. Oh, okay. Do you have any other book recommendations? Since Chantel and I are authors, you know, we are always looking for books that that we can learn from or be entertained from either way. But, you yeah. know, do you have, which ones would you recommend? So from a business perspective, my number one is definitely the one called The One Thing mm -hmm. by Gary Kelly. And it's just super digestible. It's really easy to um, follow the practices. It puts things like multitasking and work-life balance in a new light. Um, and it was really helpful to me as I was growing my company. So that's what I would say for a business book is my favorite. Mm -hmm. And um other favorites that I found when I got into the kink world were Existential Kink by Carolyn Elliott and Unbound 
by Kasia Urbaniak. Both of them were former pro-doms actually, and both of them have taken that work and like what I'm passionate about, they've translated that into things like personal empowerment and shadow work and all of those types of things. So those have been really um, big influences on my work. Very good. Chantelle, I don't want to hog the mic. If you you have anything you want to slide in, go ahead, because you know how I do. I just keep going. <laughs> You're good? Okay. All right. Is your mic still on? Are everything okay over there? I have it muted because my dog had to come in here, and now he's settling, <laughs> and he's panting and acting all crazy. So I just had it muted for a little while so he settles down. <laughs> Okay, when we were doing the, um, the the mic check for this, uh, Spartacus came in here and he was just running around. I was like, oh, no, bro, you got to go. You were going to be too much of a distraction. <laughs> All he's going to do is whine at the door because it's his bedtime, so he has to be um, near me when he goes to sleep. Okay, Lily, do you have any fur babies? I do. I have three dogs and a cat. Oh, good. You're, we're good company because we we yes. love the animals. Yeah, I used to have a lot more, but that's what I have now. <laughs> yeah, okay. So you mentioned that you were in, um, no, well, this was online. You mentioned you were online. Uh, online, you mentioned that you were in Austin for a kink event this past week. What was that about? It looked fun. And I, I wanted, I had so many questions about it, but I was like, I'll wait until we get to talk here. Yeah, it was super fun. You guys should come to the next one. It's the end of March, um, and they sell out really fast. <laughs> end but of that, March? End of March. So that last weekend, it's Thursday through Sunday is always the pattern. Hmm. Um, and it's she is moving, so it might be only that one and one more in May this year yet. Okay. So if anybody's listening and they want to join, uh, that is with Kimmy Inch. So I love to go to all of her events. It is sort of a mixture of educational, hands-on practice, and a great party. Um, so she does a, a kink party on the Saturday night. And what I really like about her approach is she focuses on something that she calls conscious kink. So it goes beyond just the, you know, body-to-body -body contact. And it really focuses on things like attunement with your partner, um, energetics, the uh, sexual blueprints, or I'm sorry, the erotic blueprints, which were uh, the work of Miss Jaya, J-A-I-Y-A. And those are really interesting because it kind of gives you, a, it's like a personality test for uh, how you kind of speak. It's like the, the sexual love languages. So they have kinky and sensual and energetic and sexual and shapeshifter, and you get kind of like ranked on how much of each of those you have in yourself. So they teach more about that work and how you can use that knowledge to improve your sex life, as well as kind of your life in general, because a lot of those things, the ways that we present erotically do actually influence our day-to-day -day lives outside the bedroom as well. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting? You you asked me a question when we when we talked. Do you remember what that was? <laughs> I do not. <laughs> you don't. Okay. You asked me if I had ever considered being a uh, uh, I think you said pro dom or you know something like that. And I said 
Um, what or you said, would you be interested or something like that? I said, you know what? Yes, I would. Now, what's interesting is I there were a couple of things you said to me that have been ruminating in my brain ever since. But that was one of them. So um, I have I've been researching. I've been dabbling. I've been in this lifestyle. And I say lifestyle because for me, it's not been a lifestyle, but I have been dabbling in learning about it. But for the purpose of research. For right. me, it was for writing and for communication and conversation. So I'm very knowledgeable. Uh, there's plenty I don't know that I need to know. Um, but I'm knowledgeable to the sense that I used it to for character development, to put in characters to, or to have fun, but not necessarily considering it a lifestyle for myself. So when she said that, that actually got me to thinking about me, like as a person, like instead of building these characters instead of putting it um because i'm all i've almost been looking at it from a third party perspective like i'm writing someone else's i'm building a caricature of myself but um since you asked me that since that conversation we had i've been thinking about more about what it means for me the person like you know um well you know you mentioned that your therapist got you into this mm -hmm. we had um one of the vampire king uh kings here on the show with us one time and he was saying that vampirism was like something that somebody needs in their life um and it was something kind of similar to what you're talking about finding that you need you know the certain connections the certain energy the certain actions and he said it's the same he said there it, one of the things i actually said to him was do you think that some of the people who are participating in BDSM might actually be more of, of a vampire personality and they just don't realize it? And so it's interesting because I can see how all that is correlating with what you're saying. So I can understand because of him how this is something that translates into what the person needs to um, deal with whatever it is they are dealing with in their in their body and with their mind, you know, depending on their experiences in their life and what have you. So, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. I, since he talked to us that one time, I've been seeing that um, people, you know, especially someone who is maybe alone or doesn't really want a partner or isn't sure how to react or act, not react, but um, act with or work with somebody else. You know, these lifestyles can help them, I think, figure that what those plugins, those connections need to be. Yeah, I totally agree. And actually, like, that's a, such a huge piece of what happens in BDSM and kink in general is people fulfilling something that they need. Now, there's healthy ways and unhealthy ways to do that, like there is anywhere else, right? There's healthy and unhealthy ways to relax after a long day of work. There's healthy and unhealthy ways to deal with your trauma. BDSM and kink can be a healthy way to do that. In fact, now that I've got the, you know, the, the technical kind of skills in BDSM, I'm actually now taking a course on kink aware therapy so that I can get it from the other perspective of the psychologist specifically for that reason, because I take a lot of responsibility as a dom for submissives that I work with. And in that, I want to make sure that everything that I'm doing is healthy and never causing harm. So one of the most obvious points about that is, are you coming in to relive your trauma 
in an unhealthy way or to rewire your trauma. Mm. So people get really hung up on things like fear play and rape play and CNC, which are like the edgier kind of areas within kink. And I don't necessarily specialize in those right now. I don't consider myself at the level where I would feel comfortable doing that with anybody. But I understand the onus behind it, which can be, you know, maybe you've lived through a rape and you feel drawn to rape play. And that can cause a lot of shame because there's enough stigma already for victims to then turn around and say, I want to replay this somehow in a scene and be extremely like it can cause a lot of backlash. So, but the people who do that are now doing it from a place of choice and control. They know mm -hmm. that it will stop if they say their safe word, assuming they're with a healthy safe partner. That, mm -hmm. um, you know, they have full control. They're getting exactly what they asked for. They're setting all the rules. They're setting all the boundaries. So even though they're relinquishing power to a dom, they or a top in some cases, they actually are super empowered because they're actually in control of the whole scene. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people don't realize when you experience a trauma like that, because unfortunately I have in, my, in, in many years of, of other types of sexual trauma, uh, um, that you don't realize your body will naturally react whether you wanted it to be react, reactive to that situation or not. Right. So there's a lot someone needs to work out. I know for me personally, I don't know if Dyson ever, ever talked about this on the show, but in my younger years when I was still you know, not sexual, not sexually active, when I came to that point in my life, it was a lot of physical like reaction, a lot of um, illness, a lot of vomiting, a lot of um, crying, a lot of shaking, because it was things that I, I couldn't understand, like, why is all that happening? Well, all that, you know, when you've experienced those, those harsh things, you're shaking, you're crying, you're vomiting, you feel horrible, but at the same time, your body is going through uh, unfortunately, a pleasureish situation at the same time. So you you have to kind of be able to work through that. I, I definitely know because I, when I was probably in my young 20s, I, I went through the BDSM world a little bit to understand how it all worked. And it really did help me to understand like, okay, this is what's going on. That's what's going on. And okay, so then later, you know, as I educated myself, you know, uh, through literature, I started getting a better concept of why all that was going on like that. So, I mean, I think it's important for people, especially, you know, unfortunately, God, I wish we could say rape's never going to happen again, or incest, or, you know, uh, molestation, or anything like that, you know, anybody feeling, you know, out of consent in a sexual way uh, would never happen again, and we would never need to know how to deal with it. But unfortunately, every day someone you know, just because I have gone to a, gotten to a better place with it myself doesn't mean somebody is not coming to that point going, what do I do now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is a heavy, you know, we, we, we took a very heavy, deep <laughs> turn. I feel like we need something light. Lily, give us a, um, the, one of the best uh, play experiences you've had. Now, you're in the lifestyle. Is that a, is that a, so is play a correct way to describe it or should I describe it? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. So whatever you're kind of engaging with another person, it's called play, which I love for therapeutic reasons also, right? Because we should all have more play in our lives. 
Okay. So this is like my recess. Mm -hmm. um, and the, then anytime you have an interaction, it's called the scene. So from beginning to end, kind of you negotiate, you go into the scene, you come out of the scene and you do the aftercare. <laughs> Your babies in there making noise. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Lily. Um, so yeah, so let's see. I feel like I'm trying to think of like a super light or funny one because I tend to be drawn to like all the intense, like, ooh, mm -hmm. let me get your emotions and your psychology. <laughs> That's my jam. So yeah, those are all the ones that come to mind first. But I guess whatever the most it is, I'm, I would turn it dark. So yeah, I get that. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I think the the most unusual per se or niche uh, kink that I've worked with is diaper play. Mm -hmm. where I came in as more of like a mommy dom and this guy was middle-aged and just really loved like these sessions were honestly so beautiful and easy because he just wanted to sit around and like talk and have somebody else be responsible and crinkle the material on his diaper and like I would change him once in a while I would do bath time with him so it was like having an oversized toddler um and it was it's one of the things that people accept less than certain other things because they're like, that's weird, that's gross, whatever. And I just didn't ever feel that way with this particular person. You know, I interviewed him pretty extensively to really see what I was getting myself into, both practically and psychologically. Mm -hmm. And he's honestly one of the sweetest people I've ever met. And I really genuinely enjoy doing sessions with him. So. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that's something that I enjoy about this space for the most part. Uh, people do have hard lines, of course. I'm just not going to participate in this. But uh, for the most part, people are accepting that everybody has their own kink, their own fetish. And um, it's it's a mutual respect. Absolutely. There's still, you know, like anywhere else, there's still judgment at times on the mm -hmm. fringe but for the majority, I would say that compared with kind of the vanilla world, there's mm -hmm. a lot more acceptance. And so that, I think, makes things a lot easier. Although I have heard, obviously, I can't speak from experience. I have heard that the BIPOC community is sometimes a little bit more marginalized in this area, too. Yes, yes, for sure. Um, it, it, speaking of that, has anybody asked you to do race play? No, never, which I appreciate. Um, that would be a hard <laughs> limit for me because, again, I'm not going to get into anything where I don't have a full grasp of the psychology and how to make it healthy. Mm -hmm. I think there's just about every type of play can be made healthy in one way or another, but that's not one that I've educated myself on enough to feel comfortable in that space. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, here and then I, I hate to go into it. I thought I hope this conversation won't be too heavy, but I'm <laughs> I'm thinking about how people automatically assume that this is sex work. They mm. automatically assume that this is this is just prostitution and you're you're paying and let me let me also say that I I believe that prostitution should be legal, okay? This is not any stigma uh, against prostitution as far as I'm concerned. But I'm just saying they're not one and the same. It's not automatically right. that someone is having sex with their, um, the, the doms and subs are not necessarily having sex. 
they could be, but they don't have to be. And it's not, that's not what the money exchange is for. Can y'all hear me okay? I got yep. my recording is saying that I need to move closer to the mic. Okay, but can you talk a little bit about that, um, about the, um, the, um, well, I, I open it with sex work, but I want to go somewhere else with that because I think we briefly talked about that, how it's uh, a lot of times it is conflated with um, sex trafficking, which is also mm -hmm. not the same thing. Has, yeah. it, has that it been an issue for you at all? Am I answering, asking that question right? Yeah, it, it hasn't been the sex trafficking in particular hasn't been an issue that has touched me personally yet. Um, I'm sure at some point it could, right? And I've certainly had people insinuate that they would not like want to leave their children with me because of what I do, right? <laughs> oh, God. And right. let me also say, and I don't mean to interrupt you. Yes, that's this is the importance of talking about these things. Let's not be ignorant, okay? Let's talk about it so everybody can educate themselves on it. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, that's totally fine. And a lot of that actually usually ties back to the stigma of the sexuality. Not all of it, because nobody wants to think of their child getting interested in like whips and chains, right? <laughs> um, so, but at the same time, like they just worry that it's going to somehow damage their children. And to be honest, there's such a huge number of 18 to 22 year olds who are involved in this and probably younger as well, but their parents have no idea. So mm -hmm. just because we talk about it or let them see it doesn't mean they're not gonna find it on their own. Mm -hmm. So while I'm not necessarily saying, hey, let's have a BDSM talk with our kids when we have the sex talk, mm -hmm. like I also think that the more that we hide things, the more that they control our lives. It's a big tenet of shadow work, which I am a big fan of. I do a lot of shadow work with my clients. Mm -hmm. and Basically, anything you keep in the dark is now running your life because you're yeah. all kind of hiding from it. I mean, you know, in the side of horror, mm -hmm. there'd be no horror if you were just acknowledging everything in the room, if you were just turning on the lights, if you were yeah. just looking in the closet in the corner and not sitting there and, and worrying about it, right? So from that perspective, I think it's really healthy um, to have discussions about that, just like you would about multiple religions. Mm -hmm. and allowing people to have choice in that and decide what works and what doesn't work for them. And I'm, I'm never opposed to somebody who's like, you know what, it doesn't match my parenting style to talk about this stuff. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I have a friend, uh, Lucy Lampy, who is, uh, she also studied with Kimmy. She didn't go the Dom route, but instead she really does a study on how to be super intimate with your partner on an emotional, spiritual, and physical level. And they've brought forward a lot of kink stuff. They have an OnlyFans together, and they also have four children, mm -hmm. um, teenagers and younger. And they are super public with this like their children know they might not watch everything right but they know that this is exactly what their parents do for work and they're probably going to grow up with a really healthy view of sex yeah yeah agreed uh how do your friends and and business partners business associates family how do how do they receive this part this version this side of you great question um so it varies, but overall, I'm very lucky. I hmm. made some really genuine friends. And when you have genuine friends, 
even if they might not want to participate or always agree with what you're doing, they support you no matter what. And I have found that 95% of my friends fit into that category. So I feel very fortunate. Even uh, my business partner on the hospitality company side, when I told her, she's like, oh, all right. I never know what you're going to do next, but that's (laughs) cool. Not my thing, but that's cool. And so it's been interesting this year, too, as I've been a lot more public online Mm -hmm. about what I'm doing that I'm starting to get the unfollows and I'm starting to get the like, is Lily okay? Like they never want that. <laughs> like going to my business partners or employees, like what's going on with Lily? Like, is everything cool? And I'm like, oh no, I'm just, you know, doing coaching with kink principles now. It's cool. It's no big deal. You know what? Do you think, um, do you think, and <laughs> this is just off the cuff, but do you think they can't really say anything because you're rich? Like, I'm rich, bitch. You know, does that, does it ever cross your mind? Like, what are they going to say? What are they going to do? Like, you, you're you good. You know what I mean? Like, is it, it seems like, like, um, now I know you love your friends and your family and, you you know, you enjoy your business associations, but, like, you don't really need them, though, do you? You know what I mean? Oh, I don't know. I guess I feel like that's more important to me than money, actually. Mm, I need my friends a lot more than I need the money because they're the people who support me through anything. And Mm. I know that I could be broke tomorrow and Mm -hmm. be just as supported as I am right now. That's a great answer. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Because money is fickle. Yeah. Like I plan to be a millionaire, right? And keep growing my wealth. But things happen, right? I mean, we didn't see that during COVID. Businesses either were like made or broken during COVID, it seems like. Yeah. And my business was one that almost broke because of it being in hospitality and most hotels shut down. There was nothing for us to do for them. Yeah. So I really never take the money for granted. And I know that I can always make more, even if I hit rock bottom. Yeah, I love that. I love that. You mentioned shadow work. Um, it's only been the last year that I've even known what that was. I've been paying more attention and learning about, um, you know, the, I could go down the whole rabbit hole with that. But uh, with shadow work, can you talk about how you got into that and how that works with your business and both both businesses? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So I really felt like I kind of knew about shadow work before, but everything came together for me in that book, Existential Kink. And I was like, oh, this is how everything I like actually goes together, right? And so she phrases things that we actually get turned on by the life we say we don't want. And that's why we don't break out of patterns, because we are getting something out of it. So my favorite example, personal example, because I really do my best as a leader to be vulnerable and open and honest about what's going on for me. So my favorite kink was playing the victim in the existential kink world, which is like, oh, if I'm a victim of the circumstances of my life, I can't be held responsible for anything. And then you just get to think, oh, poor Lily, she's just a victim. We should give her sympathy, blah, blah, blah. Now, on the surface, guess what I hated most in people? Victimhood. Exactly. 
And so oftentimes what you judge most in other people is actually a mirror of something that you're running from in yourself. And so I actually have made huge strides in that area and owning my power simply because I identified it. And the process of shadow work is like not just identify it and push it away. That's the opposite. It's about integrating it. So I took a moment to really explore all the things that I enjoyed about being a victim, really like get into my body, let myself feel the, you know, joy of that, the turn on, whatever it is for you. And then it wasn't such a big deal anymore. Mm, It kind mm. of just dissipated on its own because when you integrate the dark and the light together, the shadows can't exist anymore. I try to push the shadows away. It just makes them darker. Yeah. Chantel, I know you want to jump in here. No? <laughs> Shadow work. This is this is in your lane. You love um I, I believe you were you talked about this somewhat before on some episodes, right? Always. Yeah. I mean I think I think your life is um, you know, people say they feel like they've lived certain certain areas of their life feels like a different lifetime. I, you know, I feel like that's what you're going through. You just don't realize that you've you've done some work on yourself or you've seen something and that made you think of something in a different way about yourself. And so you just decided, I'm not going to do that no more. And so you became a different person and you left that part of your life. And so many times you're like, oh, it's like a whole different person, a whole different life I had, you know, when I was a teenager or when I was in college or, you know, it's because you actually changed you something something that you truly believed shifted about yourself about the world and you were just like you know what okay well now I'm gonna go keep going with this different perspective um and I just think that's 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 something we all normally do I think as we age we realize the value in that you know what I mean it's kind of like when you first figure figure out how to have an an orgasm without a guy around you're like oh I want to do that more (laughs) <laughs> you know and so you get you know you're like wow I feel so empowered I want to make myself feel more empowered how do I do that you know and so we start looking for the books we start looking for like you this past couple of years with the books you've been reading Dicey um that we've talked about several times um uh really just finding your power as a female and realizing how much you were letting other people take that away from you mm-hmm. um and I I, I, I hate that I blame hormones. I hate that we have to get older, right, to see these things. But I blame hormones mm. because when you're younger, all you're thinking about is who you can hump on. I mean, <laughs> you know, or you're thinking about someone giving some pills because I'm having the worst cramps of my life. So you know, mm. this is this is the world of a female. We're either extremely happy, everything seems great because we're getting filled with all these wonderful hormones, or we're really pissed off because we're in pain. Them. So mm-hmm. when you get the hysterectomy, like Dice and I are in the hysterectomy club, uh, <laughs> you don't have to have that roller coaster ride anymore. Though it does come around a little bit here and there, but yeah, I mean, I just think it's a natural thing we go through shadow work naturally, and we just don't realize we're doing it. And then we get older and we realize, oh, I, I can do this. I don't have to wait for something big to happen in the world. And I think that's what makes us. One, I think that's probably what drew us particularly to writing Dicey because we were readers before we became writers and we got mm-hmm. to see the world and other people's perspectives. And, you know, not everybody is a reader and they don't realize how much they're missing out of, in, in the world when they don't 
get to if you're not a reader you have audible if you're not you can't sit there and listen to it then watch it on tv listen to the things that people are saying are, are life-changing this is why it's life-changing because it's changing their perspective and it's helping them become a different person mm. mm-hmm. you know well thank you i feel like you you put a, a commercial break in there and just filled that that the gap and broke it down a little bit more. Thank you for that. No worries. I'm just trying to keep my dog's snores down. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Lily, did you have any favorite uh, portrayals of dominatrix and like the media since, you know, we do film TV. We talk a lot about, um, you know, films and, um, one of them that comes to mind is, you know what? You better go ahead and answer because I lost her name. Laura Flynn Boyle. That's the name I was thinking of. I, I can't remember what I said. Laura Flynn Boyle. You know what I'm talking about, Chantel? Laura Flynn Boyle. Um, she, she, no, played, no. she played a, um, I got to figure out what, <laughs> what it was on, but I, I remember she played a lawyer, but I don't think that's the the role that I'm thinking of. She played a lawyer, and I just loved her the 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 divine feminine energy that she gave out, and that's what I always think of when I think of a dominating woman. I think of that role that Laura Flynn Boyle played, and I cannot remember what the role was, but I did remember the name, so I feel great about that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any portrayals of that, or you know, or some that you admired or liked or even found inspiration in? You know, it's funny because I just saw a review not long ago. One of the um, primary dominatrixes here in L.A. did a show where she kind of reviewed how accurate a lot of these different shows are to the real world of BDSM. So I was exposed to a few new shows through that as well. And I will say some of my favorites are guilty pleasures that are not necessarily accurately portrayed, (laughs) but are funny, right? Mm -hmm. Or are cute or whatever. So one of those is uh, Bonding. I think that's still on Netflix. Yeah. Right. Oh, I was trying to show you my notes, but never mind. But yeah, we reviewed that on here too. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not like there's a lot of things in it that are like some serious confetti consent violations actually from what i heard like in in season two they had to rewrite parts of the script to change the story for them to get in trouble for violations because they got so much backlash from the professional community (laughs) that they had to kind of correct their errors through the storyline um but i still love it i still think it's hilarious Um, And probably the most accurate portrayal is actually in the show Billions. I think Hmm. it's on HBO Max. But there is a a dominatrix in there and some scenes there that are quite accurately portrayed. I have not seen that. I need to check that out. It's been it's been advertised to me a lot lately. What? So I need to figure out what's wrong with my algorithm then because they should have known all you got to do is show me that part of it and I would have watched it by right. now. Yeah. Okay. So, so how used, right? Cause I get the blocks and then I get dominatrix attire and then I get like tarot. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You brought up something that I think is, is, is interesting. 
how important is accuracy? Because when we're t- when you're watching it, like we want the entertainment of it. Like, and I know even with Fifty Shades, it was mega successful, and it did draw more people. It made BDSM type and themed things more mainstream. It got people more interested in it, but it's not an accurate portrayal of BDSM. And I saw that a lot of people from the community really hated that movie and they the, the movie series and they talked really, really bad about it. But it made me wonder how important is that? Because that's not supposed to be educational. It's supposed to be entertaining. And for personal reasons, because I don't think I, I write accurate. I write enough to keep it entertaining, but it's, my point is not to educate. So I'm curious in your opinion, how important is it to be accurate? Yeah, it's interesting because I think like with what you do with writing, people are way less concerned with the accuracy in writing, especially if you don't make it to the national bestseller lists, right? Mm, right. <laughs> to roll in. Um, and that's why I think Fifty Shades of Grey got so much shade, uh, pun intended. So <laughs> I think accuracy is important, but I also like, I'm just not the type of person who takes offense very easily And I also understand the problematic nature of inaccuracy because so many people were introduced to BDSM through that and you don't know where they're coming from, Mm. right? You don't know if they're going to turn around and try to do that same thing or turn around and think that somebody's hot because they want to, you know, tie you up and do this and this and that and actually getting themselves into very dangerous situations. Mm. So it's all, I don't really know the answer to solve that. It's almost like a parental warning or something like, don't try this at home, kids. <laughs> um, or somehow like this is for entertainment value, basically, because that's what the don't try this at home is saying, essentially. Yeah. So I don't have a full answer for that that will solve all these issues. But I will say that I enjoy the entertainment because I know better and mm-hmm. I'm not going to go do unhealthy things because of it and I can still enjoy the entertainment value of something like 50 shades or bonding and it's interesting too so if you're a doctor and you watch a medical drama you're going to be pissed off with the stuff that's happening in there when I watch a legal drama I'm like no 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 (laughs) so um I don't think any of it is is really intended to be accurate unless it's from a documentary perspective or something like that or a biopic, you know, Um, it's it's intentional to if we show what happened in the courtroom, you know, my I I moonlight as a lawyer. If we show what happens in the courtroom on a regular basis, people would be bored to tears like we just sit around, you know, we might say something before the judge or something. But for the most part, it's a lot of sitting around. So when you see it on TV or film, it is intended to to be exciting. So, you know, they take creative licenses. So, well, I I would imagine and I don't know for sure about this, but I would imagine she meant some of that satire, uh, like a satire um, Mm. of of the of the type of male who would be into that world because I do know personally uh, some men, some men who are in that world and they are really over the top but not as crazy as Christian Grey was you know what I mean so he was even more so and, and that exaggeration created a satire if you will 
But I don't think we don't, we don't have the education level of the masses for people to grasp that concept. Mm. So, you know, I think what you said, Dicey, is right on the nose. People, and what you said earlier, uh, Miss Ali, was right on the nose. People are taking things way too serious and way too literal. It's entertainment value, which means, you know, um, have you ever heard of the show Jane the Virgin? Mm -hmm. Okay, so in that show, her father is a telenovela star. And it's all extremely satirical. <laughs> They're overacting for everything, you know, and it's just this big, crazy. But the whole point of it is nothing that they're doing means anything. Only the story that you're trying to tell means something. So mm. all, all the moving parts you see on a show, on a movie, none of that actually makes a difference. That's why they can replace half of it with computer scenes now, because none of that really means anything. It's the storyline and how that story is being portrayed by the actors. And so I think, you know, I think, like you said, if it's not saying documentary, then you shouldn't take it as such. You, you see what I mean? You should take it with a grain of salt. But unfortunately, I think we have, as far as we have come as a society with sexual freedom and, and awareness, there's still so much oppression because I feel like the reason that book was so popular is because all the women, all the married women in the world were like, oh, this is exciting. Oh my God. What is he doing? Oh my God. You know, they were like actually having a mental orgasm, you know what I mean? Versus yep. that physical one that they obviously were missing most of their life, <laughs> you know? And I think that's why that book became so popular and unfortunately the young people are the ones who are going to go oh i want a guy and i've met someone that that, that, that did this i want a guy to control me like christian gray and it's like is he going to be a billionaire yeah even if he was that's not smart ever because you don't know you don't know unless you are i mean i i don't know miss Lily, what do you think how long do you think it takes for you to get a bond with your partner when you're in the BDSM world to fully trust that they will never do anything to harm you? How, how many years do you think you would have to invest in that type of relationship? You know, it depends how intense we're talking, but from the way that you're talking, it's almost like a master-slave dynamic instead of just a dom-sub dynamic, right? Where one person has the control kind of all the time. Um, mm -hmm. I have seen that work, but it's not super common. So there are a few really good books on it, like Living MS and things like that, that educate more or seek to educate more on how to do that healthily. But to your point, yeah, you, you need some really serious trust. And I think, you know, just in regular dating, we go too fast, right? Yeah. We move too fast. We marry too fast. We just trust everything too fast without really knowing who we're with. Mm. And then when you combine that with a concept like master slave or dom sub, you're in even more risk of you don't really know this person. Now, on the other hand, I was with somebody for 12 years and they did something in year 12 that I never thought that they would do. <laughs> Mm -hmm. You so, never really know anybody. <laughs> you never really know anybody. And you also can't go the rest of your life like, okay, I want there to be zero unknown. That's also not realistic. 
but I think that you need to make sure that you've covered your basics. You need to make sure that you've had that negotiation. Like one thing I did like with Christian Gray is that he presented Anna with a contract. Granted, she never yes. signed it. They just kind of proceeded like she did, mm. um, which is not good, but like he literally spelled out the terms of what he was wanting and then they negotiated. And if you're going to get into a relationship like that, that's an extremely important step. And Absolutely. never ever yeah. play with somebody who says, oh, no, you don't get a safe word or your punishment is that I'm taking away your safe word. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous that you would have to tell somebody that, but I, I mean, it, <laughs> it, <laughs> I just don't understand. I mean, there, there are, though, so many women who are in relationships and some men with an abusive partner that, that you know, when you think about it, if they had a BDSM partner would actually benefit them better because they're willing to speak to them and know their boundaries. Whereas, you know, if you're with a possessive person, um, they don't care. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's no room for that type of possessiveness in a BDSM relationship. Yeah. Exactly. And of course, unfortunately, and, and I don't know if this happens where you are, but here I've seen a lot of the very much older male to very much younger female mm. dynamics. And I think that's really, you know, I mean, obviously they both have a kink that they need that, but it's like, that is such a common trope for what I see in our, our kink uh, community here. And I even have some friends that would, um, we have something here called Kinky Tuesday, is it? Or something like that. And uh, they would sometimes do vending for some of these events and they stopped going because they were kind of shamed like oh you're too old to be here and things like that and I'm like that's not real BDSM like it's not about your age it's not a, it should never like it should be accepting of all the things that absolutely you know, that are the dynamics that are present so you know it's if you get into a BDSM group whoever's listening to my voice and it's nothing but young people also consider <laughs> that you you have might have walked into an issue <laughs> yeah make sure, yeah make sure everybody yeah. understands the rules and how it's supposed to work i mean for god's sake ask your other brain like my husband says google it <laughs> the very worst case scenario lily are you going to domcon in may that's my plan yes yeah how often do they have it so they Just have it every year? may in la and then they also have one in New Orleans in the fall. I forget the month. Um, that one's a little bit smaller, but still good. Hmm. I might need to go. I mean, yeah. uh, I think May, my May is pretty booked, but um, maybe. Like, girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah May, May is busting at the seams, but um, yeah. the fall one in New Orleans. Is, did you say New Orleans or you just said Louisiana? New Orleans. New Orleans, okay. And one of the coaches, <laughs> the judges, kept telling me, you got to go to New Orleans. You got to go to New Orleans. You got to go to New Orleans. So he may not have known specifically about, like, the fetish aspect where he was speaking to, like, the vampire side of what I write. So, you know, yeah, it was a great experience, the blocks was. Yeah, horror and all of that just does really well in New Orleans. So if you are there, maybe take a ghost tour while you're there. Get some oh, yeah. 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 I love New Orleans. It's such a great great trip 
I love, love, love going there. I, mostly because our city loves tearing everything down to put something new up. And in New Orleans, they just like wait till it crumbles. <laughs> and then we'll replace it. Lily, thank you so much for being here with us. I guess we're starting to run out of time. Hopefully we didn't bore you or go too deep and too serious. <laughs> um, you just bring out the, the educator factor too that... Um, that that is needed so um tell everybody where they can find you um i know you have coaching services that you make sure our, our listeners know about that we'd love for more people to be uh following you also so let everybody know more uh, this is your your moment to promote whatever you like awesome yeah the absolute best place to follow me is on instagram right now it's just under at Lily Mockerman, no underscores or spaces or anything like that. So that's L-I-L-Y-M-O-C-K-E-R-M-A-N. And that's where I post most of my content. You can also find me under that name on Facebook if you prefer. And I'm on FetLife as Mistress Tiger Lily, but it's missing the E in Mistress because it was one character too long for their requirements. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, those are those are probably the best places to follow me. And if you're interested in coaching, um, I do all sorts of coaching around business, life, relationships. Um, if you want more empowerment, self-empowerment, that's something I work with. If you want to explore shadow work, that's something that I work with. I am not a therapist, but I do use a lot of therapeutic techniques. So kind of like how I go back and forth. Um, if there's something that you need therapy for, I will let you know that I'm not the right person for that. Um, but I can walk people through a lot of different things. So I'd love mm. to have your listeners reach out if they feel like that's a fit for them. Nice. Are you based out of California? I'm currently in Santa Barbara, but I'm actually moving to Austin in a couple of months. Oh, you're moving to Austin. Nice. Well, I'm pretty sure we'll see each other again then. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. All right. Uh, Chantel, do you want to sound us off one? I just want to say, uh, Miss Elise, since you'll be in Texas, you should come to Houston Horror Film Fest with us in August. I would love that. It's so much fun. Just so, so, so much fun. Yeah, shoot me the dates. Okay, yeah, for sure. All right, thank you. Any last parting words, Lily? Stay kinky, friends. <laughs> That's perfect. Love it. Perfect. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good Thanks night. for listening. Good night.